0: What's up, everyone? Hope you are all doing well. This is Helltilla Weekly, episode number 22, and we are picking up the discussion with Aki Ranin about meditation. This is part two of the in-depth discussion about meditation, its benefits, and why everybody, including yourself, should do it. Enjoy.
1: And I think he makes a good point. You know, again, uh, definitely subscribe to the Sam Harris fan club here. Not, not ashamed, but... um uh, you know his his way of rational thinking about life, I think, is is very appealing to me. And you know the way he would talk about pain is kind of a stoic sense, in that like every you know the stoics would say something like you know everything that can happen in life will happen, right? So um, you know it's not it's not like you're not going to die. Step one, you will die. We will all die. But sadly also people you love will die you know some of them naturally some of them unnaturally you will have moments of sickness in in your life and the life of your you know loved ones you will have people who are depressed you will have periods of unemployment and you know monetary struggles um yourself and and the people you love so all, all of the things you read read in the news and you hear people talk about they will also happen to you personally mm-hmm. and one of them is pain like particularly when you get old you will have joint pains you will have you know surgeries you will have chronic issues you will have chronic illness and pain comes along for the ride so you know a lot of People once they get into their seventies and eighties, they will have they will live with pain of some sort, and of course they'll be on various types of medications and such. But you know that can also happen to you when you're younger. You have an injury, you have a disease, and pain is something we're also very unaccustomed to. You know, we wear comfortable shoes, comfortable clothes. You have air conditioning. You have leather seats in your car. Um, Life is about seeking comfort, you know. Like uh, products, services are sold to us as being comfortable. This is this is a thing worth pursuing. Apparently, whereas if you went back in life, I don't know, a thousand years, two thousand years, like you, you honestly, like the the modern person wouldn't survive a day. It would be cold, yep, absolutely. It, it would be hard. The food would be <clears throat> would taste awful. It would be rotten. Um, there's no toilet paper um the the clothes are made of rough wool that itch and make your skin you know red like p- the the sensations of pain would be viscerally part of your everyday life and so what you can do with meditation is acceptance a lot of actually like fundamentally every, everything we're about to talk about here is acceptance and so acceptance of pain is it's it's not that there's some magical mental wizardry you can do to say oh I can remove the pain from my knee or my neck or my whatever. But what you can do is find a certain peace and acceptance of the pain. Now this can sound a little abstract, but the way I do it is let's say I wake up and my my neck is killing me. Like it's really, you know, stiff. Just the act of me sitting on this wooden floor is part of this, this process. Right? The wooden floor is hard. It is uncomfortable. and I'm not wearing I'm not, there's no pillow. I'm not wearing socks. I'm not wearing you know uh, thick pants that would separate me from this. I usually wear shorts, so my, my bare legs are against the hard wooden floor and it causes a small sensation of pain. And over time, you know again, certainly weeks, if not months, that that routine of setting yourself on this hard surface, and and you're not lying down, you're trying to sit up, with your your spine sort of neutral but straight, with your neck neutral but straight. Uh, at first, I thought when you know, people you know the sort of guided meditations and pe- people would say I, I thought this was just some sort of lame you know visual thing that you know, the because the monks do it you sort of you need to look a certain way you need to kind of look look the part of meditation. But what I've come to realize this a lot of this actually has to do with this acceptance of being uncomfortable, because actually, what you will find is that you're not used to sitting without support. your 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 abdominal core muscles are not used to actually supporting your spine by themselves. when you When you stand, you lean on one leg or you lean on the wall. When you sit, you lean on the couch, you lean on the chair. So actually just sitting on a flat surface, you will find surprisingly difficult for 10 minutes. You will actually find that like your abs are a little bit strained from this. So getting used to this discomfort of just sitting. So right now we've been sitting here for, I guess, an hour or so. Mm -hmm. And I've I've been sitting in my meditation position, in my meditation spot, and, and it's definitely uncomfortable. But if you're comfortable with these little pain, triggers of just sitting on a wood floor and not moving you're, you're not trying to find the most comfortable position within this painful context or say like uncomfortable position you're actually almost trying to find the most uncomfortable position where your ankle is a little bit you know it's under your other knee and it's getting pressed into the wood and starts over time after you know four or five minutes it starts to sting a little you're, you're trying to accept that you're like that's fine like it's not killing me there's no injury being caused by the sensation of pain like, I'm not going to be hurt by this. I'm not going to be bruised by this. It's just the pain as a sensation that I'm socially kind of deconditioned from. And so then when I go back to my neck, I put it in the same group of things. Like, just as my ankle here is a little bit uncomfortable, my neck is also a little bit uncomfortable. I'm okay with it. I don't need the, the pain in my neck to disappear. I, I can let it be. I can accept it and I can move on from it. So I can do my whole body check and see, are there places like this where I'm feeling uncomfortable? And so similarly, exactly similarly, we can then move on to the emotions. Like, oh, I feel a stiffness in my chest. I know this is bad. Am I gonna let this ruin my day? Like, oh, I woke up anxious again. Like, this is gonna suck. I can't get rid of this. It's gonna get worse. Going to ruminate about all the things, what's causing this? Was it the thing I said yesterday? blah, 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 right? Go down this whole vicious cycle and rabbit hole of anxiety and then it leads to other negative emotions and so on. So what you're trying to do is, okay, yes, there's some anxiety there. That's interesting. Let, let me observe it. Let, let, me, let me actually singularly focus on it and try to try to feel how it feels in my chest. And what I find is the more the, the worse that sensation is, the, the more of my, say, 10-minute meditation, I will try to exclusively focus on that feeling of that anxiety in my chest, the physical sensation. So as I'm doing my breathing or whatever, or if you're doing mantra-based meditation or you're doing your mantra, then I'm, I'm still kind of spending my focus, spending my awareness on being aware of what that feeling is like in my chest. And what I find almost every time now is that by the end of the meditation it's gone away wow okay i can't can't notice it anymore it's Mm. the same as the pain in my neck right i can't notice it anymore because it's sort of blended in with the pain of just sitting on the wood floor and kind of keeping my spine straight and my neck straight it just blends into the overall kind of discomfort and it doesn't bother me anymore that's that's ultimately what it means to separate yourself from the stimulus to the reaction or the inner experience, right? The stimulus of my pained neck, my anxiety in my chest blends in with the stimulus of sitting on the hard floor and keeping my back straight without moving. And this is a little tip that I've discovered personally, which is usually not that prevalent in in sort of guided meditations that I've come across, is stillness, I think it's a very powerful tool because stillness is like absolute stillness is something we don't do that's not something even in your bed you fidget you fidget around trying to you know move the pillow into the most comfortable position roll around and use the the sheets to form some sort of cocoon that perfectly shapes around you know your desired body position and that's that's kind of what you're seeking and here we're actually trying to do the opposite. You're trying to relinquish your ability to find comfort and to avoid discomfort. So what I tend to do is whatever position I get into on the floor, I remain absolutely still for the meditation. So say 10 minutes. I don't allow myself to adjust my finger position or my ankle position to relieve the pressure. I don't allow anything. I basically, admit to myself when I start the meditation I have lost the ability to move even if I wanted to I can't I've lost control of my motor controls so whatever happens during this 10 minutes if I get an itch on the back of my ear if whatever you know I get a increasing burning pain in my knee I'll deal with it it's not causing me injury I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not on a spiked mat. I'm not doing anything dangerous here. I'm just sitting on the floor. This is not dangerous activities, so I, I can deal with that for ten minutes. And I'm, I'm a very fidgety person. I, if left to my own devices, even during this podcast, I fidgeted around with stuff that's around here on the floor. Just, it, it it's something that I do. Yeah. And so during this meditation. Enforcing this absolute stillness is, is again, it's like another uh, tool that you can use to embrace this this sense of I am accepting emotions, I'm accepting pain, and I'm willing to deal with it, because then when I'm finished, I'll notice that it's not that bad. That, oh, that, that was fine. Like, I wasn't injured and I actually feel a little bit less anxious now, and I can sort of move on. But it's not really about, I think, getting rid of the anxiety. I shouldn't say that the, the goal of meditation is to get rid of bad feelings. I think it's just being comfortable with it. That's that's ultimately what's, yeah, yeah. yeah it's acceptance, it's kind of peace in whatever situation you're in. It's not like after meditation, your boss is gonna be less nasty to you, or you know, your relationship with your spouse is gonna suddenly be a lot better. It doesn't change the external world. It just gives you an ability to react a little bit less to the stimulus and, and be a little bit more um, well, let's let's say decrease the, the storm outside and not let the storm inside as much. Hmm. And that also then applies to the last category. So we again, we, hmm. we started with physical sensations, then we covered emotional uh sensations which can be manifested as physical sensations also and then finally there's the thoughts so thoughts is a pretty big one in the sense that i I feel most guided meditations in the first sort of 10 days of like a headspace or whatever they they tend to focus quite a lot on the thoughts and it it seems to be that the, the goal of meditation is to not think that you are in some serene thoughtless state where you know you're just breathing or you're just repeating your mantra or you're just feeling the physical sensations or you know just listening to sounds and you're, you're just exposed to this raw consciousness void of any thoughts but i think <clears throat> i think a better framing of that uh, that is going to be less frustrating is that that thoughts are part of those stimuli. So in some sense, just as I'm you know, accepting that the, the, I'm okay with the hard floor, I think there's, there's a way in which you have to accept that the thoughts are coming and going. And the thoughts can be positive, they can be negative, especially initially when you give space, you give your thoughts, the ability to roam freely, right? Because mostly we're, we're trying to not think. We're trying to check emails. We're trying to get on Facebook, trying to you know numb ourselves with Instagram, YouTube, and Spotify podcasts like this <laughs> so that we don't have to be alone with our thoughts. So when you let yourself be alone with thoughts, it can be a bit of a, I understand that. It can be a bit, a bit of a personal torment, right? Like it, it gives space somehow to the most negative thoughts and that that can be i think for a lot of people the reason to stop meditating immediately because it's like oh that was terrible i went back to you know a fight that i had with my spouse i went back to an argument i had at work i went back to an email which i shouldn't have sent i went back to my childhood i went back to you know how my relationship with my mom or whatever is mm-hmm. strained or well, you know the things i didn't achieve with my life i'm unhappy with where i am with my career my finances whatever right so it it gives gives space to the the worst possible thoughts but i think there, the first thing you're trying to do is also the same it's the same as with the pain you're just trying to accept like okay it's fine it's fine let's go there no it's fine let's have those negative thoughts that's i'm not trying to avoid those thoughts and i feel in some ways a lot of the meditation content is trying to get you past this too quickly and they're trying to say trying to kind of get you into this headspace, right where you are just having the fluffy clouds with you know or an empty clear sky with no fluffy clouds even no rainstorms no lightning it's just nothing um and i think you have to be a little bit more honest about it and just say like the the initial goal should be just an awareness of when you're thinking and when you're not thinking Right, so in a ten-minute meditation, nine point nine minutes can be spent thinking about random stuff, about what you're having for breakfast, what you know your schedule is like, what you should open up the first email with, you know, is it a hello or is it a dear or is it a hi? You can you can go into all these random stupid things that people go into. But if there's even ten seconds during the ten minutes where like, okay, I've just having these thoughts and now i'm not thinking about anything that that's what you're trying to find you're trying to recognize moments where you're not thinking about anything you're not trying to force it you're not like don't think about anything don't think about anything you know think happy thoughts or think nothing think peaceful sky think blue skies think still still lake those are also thoughts (laughs) you're forcing natural thoughts by introducing artificial thoughts so it's not really not thinking you're just thinking about things that the 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 meditator is supposed to think about yeah so i think the the main thing is starting to then outside of meditation also recognize these moments in your day when like okay i'm in this meeting and i'm thinking about lunch so i'm totally spaced out i have no idea what the last five minutes were about in this meeting i wasn't listening because i was just thinking about what i'm going to have for lunch so you start recognizing that actually this happens all the time. Most of your waking life, you are distra- distracted in your thoughts. And this is why I think also people love things like movies and books and, of course, YouTube and Spotify so much because they they remove this ability for us to get lost in our thoughts by sort of getting lost in somebody else's thoughts. You or streaming somebody else's somebody else's thoughts into your brain which feels like a type of silence you know you can escape from your life by watching a movie and you're you're then having the thoughts of you know the person in the war or the person in the romance or the person in the space you know whatever adventure but at least you're not in your thoughts so it's it's a, an escape from the the pains of your own vicious negative thoughts but then I think that it becomes this relationship between your daily meditating. Mm. At this point, you should be meditating daily. This is, this is very, very important, I think. Again, you can have like the weekend off. So when I say daily, it means like the, the working day. At least four or five times a week, you, you should meditate without excuse. If you can't do it the same time every day, just do it sometime. But I think 10 minutes daily is not too much to ask if, at this point, if you've sort of, you know, you, you've, You've become comfortable with your thoughts. You, you've sort of had some sensitivity to, you know, the physical, emotional f- sensations. Then I think the next s- stage of the evolution is sort of the ability to kind of like notice. Hey, okay, I, I'm starting to notice that I can more clearly differentiate moments in my meditation and moments in my daily life where I'm both. Not actively thinking, so moments of calm, where I'm just looking at the birds flying, I'm just listening to the sounds, I'm just, you know, in tune with the sensations of my body or the rhythm of my breathing. And then there's moments where I'm totally carried away in just like random thoughts, right? So it's just noticing there are those two states because I think you know I, I, I I'm not actually that embarrassed to admit it because I think it's it's just shocking reality. But now I'm now 38 years old, and I can comfortably say that the first 37, 36 years of my life, I was always uh, living inside my head, in my thoughts, whatever they were. I had no control over them. A lot of them were good, some were bad. But constantly, constantly just in my thoughts, like I, I perceive my sense of self to be very much identified with my th- thoughts, and they often relate to the past and the future, very little to the moment. I've never thought of myself as a person who lives in the moment, I've thought of myself as a person who lives in the past and the future, because that's where my thoughts are constantly. Things I wanna achieve in the distant future, or what the world is gonna be like, what my life is gonna be like, and also obviously ruminating about good and mostly bad things that have happened in the recent past and the distant past how things could have been different, right? So that, that's been my life. But with meditation, I want to say maybe this was more in the three, four-month range, maybe even later. Um, I have now increased the percentage of my waking hours that I'm not carried away in thought. So it's still most of the time. But it's interspersed with more moments of recognition, and oh, okay, I was carried away there in my thoughts. So that was another five minutes, or thirty minutes, or two hours, whatever it was. I'm like, okay, I, I, I can come back to a new type of reality. And again, okay, for people who don't meditate, this is going to sound like total woo-woo stuff. Oh, like oh, you've enlightened yourself. You've found some sort of new reality. Like oh, this is great. Good for you. Um, I think this, this is probably yet another Sam Harris quote, but I think it, he's, he's talked about the internal movie. So much as you watch a, an actual movie and you put yourself in the thoughts of the protagonists or the, the heroes in, in the, the movie, the same thing happens in your real life. You're actually just watching an internal movie of your life which is effectively your thoughts, right? So I think what you can find with meditation, that there's a bit of a pause button. Uh, The pause button is not necessarily in your control. You don't necessarily have the remote. (laughs) At least I I, I can't claim to be able to do this always on, on will. But you will notice increasingly that there are little pauses where you're not living your life your your identity isn't singularly tied to the thoughts you're having, but you can actually just have like an experience where you're like just sitting and just like doing nothing. Just like, you know, looking at the sky, the clouds, you're not looking at the sky in the clouds and thinking about the email you're about to write. You're just looking at the clouds, just hearing the sound of the air conditioning or the sound of people talking without actually thinking about what they're talking, just hearing some noise, you stop to notice that your knee hurts today or your your back is a little painful like these are little moments that everybody has but i think with meditation you you start noticing the distinct separation between these two modes one being carried away with thoughts and one being in the here and now so again i'm not a person that has ever claimed to know what the here and now is, but with meditation, I now understand what a here and now is. So maybe some people are lucky they're born with a, you know, an ability to live in the here and now. I don't know if that's true or they're just more engaged with short-term thoughts instead of long-term thoughts, but that's, that's what I now, that's maybe the reason I go to do my meditation every day, mostly, is because It's not for the entire meditation. So if I do a 10-minute meditation, it's not going to be 10 minutes. It could take one or two minutes for me to get in kind of this, this more peaceful place where I've gone through the kind of checklist of checking in the physical sensations. I've checked in with the emotions. I've checked in with my thoughts. Like, is there anything that I'm specifically thinking about? And then I sort of start letting go of those things and just try to engage with, Uh, the moment and if you know there's a lot of different anchors people can use to get into like whatever you know the zone or the the, what you're supposed to be doing in meditation so it could be listening to sounds so that's that's a pretty easy one to get started with i think a underrated kind of anchor yeah so again what, what what is like an anchor an anchor just means like it's it's like a thing that you can do which engages you in the moment because it is so difficult for us as modern people to engage with the moment naturally. We have to use these tools, these anchors, to kind of um, get us to engage better with the moment. So hearing means that you're listening to the sounds of the bus outside, uh, the kids running outside, the raindrops, the air conditioning, uh, the neighbor, uh, I'm not, we're not specifically looking for positive sounds of rainfall or, or waterfalls or, you know, birds chirping, any sounds, traffic sounds, doesn't matter. But what you're doing is you're not listening to the sounds. You're just, oh, sorry. What I mean by that is you're not trying to find meaning in the sounds. You're not trying to understand the conversation or the noise or thinking about the bus. You're just literally trying to listen to the sounds as the sort of raw sensory input, what, what is the, the wave that is going into my ear? You're just trying to be sensitive to what your hearing sense is like. And that, that can be a way for you to disengage from then everything else and find a kind of peace in the moment that gives you distance from the pain, gives you distance from the emotions, gives you distance from the thoughts. But if thoughts come when you're listening to your, your hearing, you're not trying to sort of force the thoughts away. You're just like, okay, I'm distracted. You you think through the thought, whatever it is, and then you try to go back to the hearing. Like as soon as you realize, oh, I'm thinking a thought, you're just like, okay, fine, that happened. I'm not apologizing for it, I'm not ashamed of it, but I'm now switching back to the hearing. So another thing people do, of course, is uh, breathing. So that that's probably the most common kind of mindfulness meditation thing. And then there's uh, of course uh, physical sensations. So you could just focus on, you know, all of the little sensations of pain and discomfort and whatever. And then uh, of course mantra meditation. So that's something I've been experimenting a little bit with recently, but also very very popular. And that's like transcendental meditation mm-hmm. and, and so on. So I think this this is sort of the the, the package. For me, that works. I suppose. You no, know, I, I wouldn't dare use words like enlightenment or whatever. Um, but I think, based on a little bit of reading, in some sense, what what enlightenment for like the monks who who actually seek it is 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 if if I just said that, okay, like out of a ten minute meditation, I, I can usually get a good five six minutes sometimes even seven, eight minutes of what I would call a sort of peace where I I genuinely feel a comfort in stillness with just being in the moment. And I think what's really going on with the sort of these enlightened ones is that they can just extend that. So, you know, maybe they're doing that seven, eight hours a day, right? Or, or, even more uh apparently this is a bit wild, a little bit woo- woo for me, but apparently um you know maybe after ten thousand hours uh several decades uh apparently these these um sort of monks they can also do that in their dreams, so I've never really I mean, that's a bit beyond sort of my my current focus <laughs> yeah, i yeah. guess but uh but there are you know. Practices people do for lucid dreaming and that kind of thing where they can kind of try to maintain some sort of awareness or or memory of of their dreams and even some kind of engagement or control of of, uh, dream states and uh, apparently then It's also possible to extend this kind of sense of meditation or or peace and um, uh, Yeah, I suppose like moment moments of enlightenment into your, your dreams so theoretically I suppose you could be doing it 24 seven, which is pretty interesting. So, you know, how many minutes of the day am I doing that on average where I'm engaging with the moment and void of, you know, the, the burden of, of thoughts and emotions. Um, It's like the perfect flow state, right? I don't think so. I think it's totally different than, okay. uh, than flow state. We can we can come back to that point. But I, I would say it's probably in the sort of 10-15 minute range for me mm. on a day. So so there's only a few moments. So I do my meditation, some some minutes there. And then there might be one or two moments in the day where I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I remember this thing now. And I'm sitting here by the pool watching my kids swim, and I put my phone down for a moment, and I'm like, oh, this is cool. I'm just like just Listening to the sounds. I'm just looking. I'm not, you know, listening to what my kids are saying. I'm not, you know, thinking any thoughts. And I'm, I'm just observing. I'm just like, oh
0: yeah, okay, okay.
1: You know, engaging with a moment. Or or between emails, I just sit, look at my laptop. I'm like, okay, there's a little moment here, right? It's 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 not easy to find these moments. Um, and I'm not, to be honest, I'm not like actively trying to increase the percentage of my day that I'm spending in this kind of meditative state, but i i feel like this is the end game right like in some sense if if this thing is uh, going anywhere then that is what's happening the the minute by minute gradual increase the the increased frequency and duration of moments in my day where i can not need to meditate but have the ability to kind of hit hit the pause button on the internal movie and just like be in the moment, would it, could be again, noticing the breath, noticing emotions, just being aware that I've been carried away in thoughts. Because I, I think what you said there about flow state is, it's different. Flow state is, for me, you know, as, as a coder, as a occasional writer, flow state is definitely something I make use of and I engage and I really enjoy. But I think flow state is, it's one level above this this meditative state sure flow state is not an awareness of of let's say the the separation of external stimuli from internal reaction flow state is focusing on a singular stimuli right so it's it's a little bit like it can be a little bit like meditation in the sense that you're, you know, in meditation, you're going to be focusing on the breath, hmm. but in flow state, you're typically doing something like, oh, I'm coding, I'm working, I'm exercising, I'm running, I'm doing something, but you're still doing something. Yeah, and,
0: you're, doing, you're doing something, but at the same time, you sort of lose yourself in, into that. Focus.
1: You, you do a little bit. So, the, yeah. you know, an interesting question, I think, is, um you know because i I know people who run every day they run a lot and they they say that for them it's it's all all of the emotional spiritual kind of like meditation that they need so i you know I, i classify this as sort of like informal meditation in some sense it's like mindfulness right you can walk in the forest and whatever and be kind of just enjoying the walk but i think it's still different it's it's not going to develop beyond that it's a little bit like what i mentioned with breathing i yes absolutely it's like exercise it, it can help you focus and and sort of keep the monster at bay the emotional thought monster at bay but you're not going to develop any further resilience from that so the flow state maintains you in that state while you're in the flow state but being more in the flow state is not going to increase the your mental resilience outside of it. The, the flow state yeah, so similarly that's when you do running you can feel great during running you can feel a sense of loss of self and all that but after you stop running you don't have it so then people start running ultra distance they run four hours every day because it feels so good and it, it feels less good outside of running so they have to do running so i think the trick with meditation is it it is uh, a more it's a deeper level of letting go and acceptance and peace that you only need to do for 10 minutes. You don't need to do four hours every day. You need to do just 10 minutes, 20 minutes. You know, you could do 10 minutes in the morning, 10 minutes in the evening. You can do 10 minutes in the morning only, or you could do 20 minutes in the morning, whatever. I think that's, that's the range that you need to do, right? And that starts to bleed over into your day. So it starts having benefits in all other aspects of life. And I, I genuinely don't think you get that with flow state, whether it's during exercise or flow state uh, during during working. So I'm not saying flow state is bad. I'm saying flow state is very good, but I'm saying it's not a replacement different. Yeah. for yeah. meditation practice.
0: Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And this, is, this has been such an interesting uh, discussion because just listening, listening to you uh, putting the context of meditation from your own experience perspective into um, like very understandable steps and benefits and and, and concepts as well, it has been very different to what I've sort of read and listened to uh, like other other people talk about it. I think how you expressed it is very understandable. It makes me actually want to meditate. Like right right after we uh, <laughs> stop start doing this uh, this podcast, but it acts as a as a reminder <clears throat> of what we can actually get out of. Or how much benefits we can actually get out of by simply um, reducing the stimuli which we are burdened with in our daily lives. Just like when you were talking about, you know, um, how much we engage in our phones and Netflix and podcasts and YouTubes and you name it you know, versus what, what it used to be back in, back in, when we, when we were kids, for example, when we were cycling, for example, to our friend's house, that was 30 minutes of solitude Basically, Cause you didn't have any ear pods or stuff like that. It just was, you was yep. there by your own or with your own thoughts. And it's crazy how different that is nowadays. And because you just don't have your time with yourself anymore. And mm-hmm. what I, what I find um, very interesting as well is that I, I'm like, well, I do my meditations, yes, but majority of my day still I've got my podcasts on, I've got my audio books or or um, Spotify music on. So I'm like, I don't have that stillness time, uh, which I used to have um, years and years ago. Um, so it's it's a very interesting idea of how meditation can actually bring us back to um, and 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 bring more space into our heads in terms of letting those thoughts emotions go accepting them accepting pain um, and then basically from that uh, increasing the quality of your life by reducing the stress from those external stimuli as well right
1: yeah yeah absolutely i I think the the challenge is just going to be that 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 journey by definition has to be subjective for every individual absolutely Um, and, and that's why I think, you know, there's probably so much meditation content out there because you know, it's like, there's no one size fits all yeah. there. I mean, like right now, in the Healthzilla app, um, we just have the, the unguided medita- meditation timer. So like right now in my life, that's a pretty good solution. Cause I, I just need a little trigger or a little cue to keep my habits. So I use the meditation timer and it's got a little gong at the start at the end and little little uh, gong every minute to just remind me that i'm meditating so that can be useful to kind of um, uh, interrupt you from thoughts and realize oh like i was supposed to meditate you know go back to my breathing or my mantra or or whatever Um, but you know i I think at some point we certainly have a desire to also create some of our own guided meditation content to put our own spin on it but you know even doing this podcast i sort of realized that part of the the function of say like the, the Sam Harris uh, course, et cetera, is like, I, I often feel like there's quite a lot of talking uh, and really the benefits of of meditation do not come from talking. But I think, you know, just what we've discussed here, I think is, is, is in some sense relevant because the the problem with meditation is you you don't know how good it's going to be later on. So I think it's useful for somebody to describe Sort of what what the experience is going to be like or can be like, mm. and and what are the the good things that can come of it? Because that can be the difference between you stopping the habit because it's like oh I like it. I didn't find it that beneficial after the first week, so I quit. Right. So that's what I did three or four years ago with Headspace. I was like oh this is okay, but it's not amazing. So maybe you know if I had listened to the right podcast, or maybe if if that that course itself contained a little bit more. Context for you know what what's to be expected down the line. I I might might have uh, stuck to it. So you know I, I think that there's there's some element there of of rationalizing and and explaining meditation, which is which should be part of that initial engagement with um, meditation. So it could you know of course it could be a combination because nowadays the the beauty is that you know we have YouTube and Spotify and podcasts and netflix etc so especially on youtube and and podcasts you you can seek out you know content like this from sam harris and others who talk about meditation so while you're you know you might do your meditation practice with one of those apps or maybe you, you just you know use the timer like we have on healthzilla um but then you might also in addition to your meditation practice just listen to content about meditation to sort of like you know, sh- sharpen your sword, if you will, and, and learn more about it, maybe read about meditation. Uh, and that together with the, the practice itself might be what's enough to kind of make it work for you personally and find what are the triggers, you know, are you more a person that that uh, enjoys the sound anchor or the, the breathing anchor, the, the mantra anchor, or, and you know, which kind of skills work best for you? What 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 feels makes it enjoyable? Because you know, going back to what we said about exercise earlier in the podcast, I think that what whatever works for you is the best habit, right? That like it's, it's got to be a lot of
0: sustainable, the, yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah, a lot of the, you know the habit science speaks to that. That there's there's you know several aspects to building and sustaining habits, which are things like uh, you know triggers and cues and motivations and incentives. But you sort of have to layer you have to stack the odds mm. against you stopping your meditation habit, so you know it can be stupid things like oh i i um finding the right spot to meditate, finding the right time to meditate like for God's sake, in our office i I built an actual meditation room. <laughs> <laughs> You know, and it, like, because I built a meditation room, I can't not use it, right? Of course, now <laughs> exactly. we're not allowed to be in the office, but like, this is this is what I'm talking about. So, you know, maybe you don't need to build yourself a whole meditation room, but you can maybe, um, you know, f- buy a nice like uh, mat or pillow or, or uh, a little incense bowl that you place there, a little meditation gong, or just like a little, these little things I think add up. You have to, have to find an experience overall about around meditation, which is feels good. You know, and again, I want to be really emphasize it. I'm not saying that every meditation session needs to be feel good, but the meditation habit has to feel good. Yeah, yeah,
0: Otherwise it's not sustainable.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I, I think, um, if you've done three, four months of meditation, I think you're likely to make it a lifelong habit. Yeah, because I totally agree. it's it's kind of like discovering some some new form of you know medicine that's free uh and and natural and uh, it, it's it becomes somewhat harder to live without it because it mm. you know uh it, it, can, it can, gives it can, you something
0: absolutely and it can be a life-changing um tool for for you to take take with you um and so many people um very successful people, as for what you um, referred to in the beginning of this discussion, you know, um, are talking about their massive experiences with meditation, and they give a lot of credit to meditation um, on their success as well at the same time. But so there's no doubt that meditation can be a massive tool uh, for you in your life to feel better, to reduce your stress, um, you know, have better health, have better um, uh, happiness levels, mind capacity, all that. Um, so, uh, what would be, because of the whole, um, maze of different options out there, they the might be quite intimidating for anyone to start the journey towards meditation. Um, so what would be sort of your, your top tips, Akit, uh, for someone new to start their meditation journey? I know there's no one size fits all, but you could give some general, um, feedback based on your experience.
1: Yeah. Well, I think if somebody listened to this podcast, I think uh, this is a bit of a synthesis of various sources uh, of meditation, just obviously having tried a bunch of different things, but also listen to a bunch of different people talk about meditation and done some uh, reading about it, including, you know, uh, Tim Ferriss, certainly is a good, good um, source for some meditation um, experiences, same as obviously Sam Harris. So, you know, Beyond this podcast, I would probably seek out some of those episodes where they they specifically talk about meditation and their own experiences around meditation. Um, I think I, I would probably try one of the courses. Uh, you know, the, the Sam Harris one is is more of a serious, secular, non woo woo, rational kind of scientific. Um, approach that's I think that's not going to work for everybody but I think if you're a bit of a skeptical engineer type um that that might be the one for you because it's certainly different because most of the other ones so you know there's obviously apps like Insight Timer and Headspace and all those um they tend to be a little bit more mm, yeah kind of softer in in tone And, and for some people that's exactly the right recipe so they 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 need that kind of gentle uh tone and approach. Um, but I, I think those are those are probably the main two directions. I, I still don't feel it's necessary to do retreats and camps, but then again, I've never done those or like for formal courses. I, I think you can absolutely start with just some kind of digital content. Um, again, maybe a bit of a, uh, you know, one month uh, course or something like that to get some of the basics in there. Um, but then, I you know, even during that or after that, I think you can absolutely and you should, in fact, experiment with um, just silent, uh, unguided meditation. I think it's very important because I think th- there's also a risk of you sort of getting attached to just guided meditations. Like, ah, oh, I now did the Sam Harris and the Headspace, and I just need more and more and more. Right? Like Inside Timer, I think has like ten thousand guided meditations on there. Like, wow. oh my god, yeah. just more and more more. I think there's there's a fallacy there because th- then you sort of treat meditation as like a podcast right? Like, I know I can only do it if somebody tells me what to do. Like, that's not, that's somewhat counterintuitive. So I think you have to bootstrap some basics just so you sort of like know what you're doing. You know, you know, we haven't covered all of that here. So I think it's worth doing a bit of guided meditation, but it could be literally just a couple of weeks, you know, 10, 10, 20 sessions can be enough. So you know, the basics. And after that, I think self-exploration actually just like meditating is very important. So I, you know, That's why I suppose in the healthy lab we also started with just the unguided timer, because um, even if you're doing a course, you could every other day or every few days, you could just try like, okay, I've learned some things now. I've learned some techniques. I want to apply it. I want to feel what it's like. And I think over time, you should do more and more of that. And eventually, potentially, you know, just just, um, do your own thing. and maybe, maybe even experiment, you know, trying some 20 minute sessions and longer sessions. But generally I think, you know, 10 minutes of a, a timed session is is ultimately all you need. And maybe sometimes, you know, like, you know, I, I still sometimes I pick up some favorite um, guided sessions. Uh, w- one free resource that I really like is the um, UCLA uh, mm-hmm. University in America. They, they've got um, uh, a MARC, M-A-R-C, uh, meditation kind of program uh where they do free meditations they've got their own app but you can also just find the the mp3s uh, for free on their website okay i don't think i don't think they're on the podcast platforms anymore i feel like it's only on their website and and their app but the the app is free all the content is free they do sort of 20 minute 25 minute free meditations every week so there's a few favorite ones that i do occasionally if i feel like oh i want to get a bit of a refresher I do that, but most days I just do the the unguided timer on Healthzilla, and mm-hmm. I, I think the another aspect of that again I am obviously more driven by just quantification, but I I just like ticking the boxes. So on on the Healthzilla app, you've got the little dots in in uh, which represent kind of the, the the habit you've built on how many times a week you've committed it. So I tend to have five dots. So I just like Filling the dots, make uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, make sure that I've sort of done my meditation work uh, for the week, and and you know it, it's it's again it's just stacking the odds against me stopping meditation by having these various tools available to me that that keep me in the habit and keep me engaged um, in the habit. So I think you know th- those are certainly things you can try to to get started with, and I, I think again. Uh, if you don't have the initial commitment, you you can um, uh, b- build yourself up. but I, I think if you find any benefit after a month, I think then yeah, you you should um, you know follow what we've talked about in in this podcast and and, and try to try to go deeper and, and try to make it a daily practice and, and try to kind of um, uh, uh, commit to it. So there's not going to be any overnight change, any any kind of sudden dramatic, Moments of enlightenment, um, but I, I think you will will notice that uh, you know the benefits are compounding in nature, and um, it it becomes a, a, you know a positive force in your life.
0: Oh, absolutely. That that's basically reflects my own own uh, journey as well with meditation. It's hard, in the, especially in the beginning, it's difficult because you it's so um, um like new feeling just to be amongst your thoughts, and you become anxious, and that you need to go somewhere um and all that but over time as you've done it for a month or so then you start slowly understanding what what the benefits are all about so it is like everyone should be should be doing meditation even though a lot of people still tell me that you know they don't have the time or they, they just don't they're not into it i still am a bit skeptical about it and i'm, I'm still thinking that yeah they should potentially you know try harder uh,
1: i i agree i th- this is an interesting um uh point where maybe we we can close off but i think a lot of people who you know if if you've listened this far we're almost two hours if you've listened this Mm -hmm. far you might still have a, and if you're not a meditator you might be like okay well that's you know good for them but they're another type of people i'm a different type of person i don't a need it it doesn't b work for me i tried it c and it didn't work for me so i'm just not a meditator Mm -hmm. i think that's not true i think you can those kind of things can be said about at least certain forms of exercise and i'm certainly in the camp that i think everybody needs to exercise it's just you know, the, the physical body is not meant for um lying down and sitting down I, I think you know your your life is going to be shorter and uh full of illness if you don't exercise so i'm certainly in the camp that exercise is for everybody you just need to find the right form but i do think meditation is for everybody and, you know i'm not a psychologist i'm not a neuroscientist sam harris actually is a neuroscientist but um i i just think having read having experienced having thought about meditation long enough now that i think it's it's a fundamental capacity um that that does work for everybody we're i we're wired differently we're we're We've got different balances of you know neurotransmitters and chemistry in our brain, yeah, yeah. all that. But we all physiologically have the same components and meditation is a methodology for harnessing and balancing and controlling the components of your brain. And you know, I think it is as fundamental as, as exercise. So if if forced for some weird thought experiment. Would I give up meditation or exercise? I I, I honestly don't know. I, I I probably enjoy exercise more than I do meditation. But mm-hmm. at this point, I, it'd be a tough tough call. If I couldn't mm-hmm. exercise or I couldn't meditate for the rest of my life, it's it's, it's a tough call. I, it still might probably I would honestly I probably would have to choose exercise just because yeah. even if I was mentally um, you know balanced, but if physically I was deteriorating, it would probably not. Not be a good good result. So maybe it's number one exercise, but number two meditation. I think everybody uh, should should make enough of a commitment. You know, it's it's one two months of of your life could change the rest of your life more oh, wow. so than exercise. I think exercise is something that like doing more exercise and getting more fit is. I, I think it's. I know people say that life changing. Of course, if if you have physical problems, or you're overweight, you're obese certainly it can be life changing in terms of your identity and your physical abilities and all that but i think like the the type of difference meditation can give is like there's there's an there's a new reality that you can discover and again like you know there's a peter atia huge peter atia fan as well and he's he's a meditator uh, as well and i think there's a there's a wonderful quote uh, he made somewhere which was that um, you know, he was on some retreat, and he was sitting on the edge of a couch in some kitchen. And he just had this moment of realization, which is like, okay, you know, I'm, I'm 45 years old. And this is the first time in my entire life that I actually feel I'm awake. Now, th- I, I don't want to confuse this with wokeness yeah, yeah. Um, this this is the type of awakening that sam harris talks about is you know waking up app waking up course and it's just this kind of sense of reality that doesn't need to be attached to emotions and thoughts because you know we, we are at least in the western world we are our thoughts we are our emotions but like mm. that is actually not entirely accurate that there is a form of consciousness, a form of wakefulness outside of sleep that that can give you a sense of peace and calm and engaging in the current moment. And you know, I've, I'm not an expert. I, I actually know very little about sort of Eastern philosophy, but I you know, I, I wrote a long blog post just this past week that I we, we can share. I don't want to get into it here because we're already almost two hours in, but I wrote about consciousness and the sort of biological neuroscience um, Physics and philosophy behind consciousness, but many people commented to me that you know, in in uh, Hindu philosophy, uh, there are many definitions of consciousness. So, so there's a sort of um, uh, you know, a, a sleep state, a, a right. dream state. Um, there's a awake state, but then there's also like a a bottom level of consciousness which is sort of like it's it's not being awake and it's it's not dreaming and it's not deep sleep that all of those kind of base forms of consciousness that like everybody sort of you you have to be in like you're awake you're awake you wake up after sleep you're awake you have sleep where you're dreaming and then you have sleep where you're not dreaming so everybody has those right like you can't that's not a point of debate that's just what it is but uh, according to sort of Hindu philosophy, there's also one more state, which is underneath those states. And th- this is like, you know, I don't want to get too woo-woo here, but I'm saying like, this, this is the state that you can access through meditation. And it is also a state that you can just sort of find, notice during the day outside of meditation practice. You're like, okay, I'm, I'm awake, but I'm not engaged in, in thoughts. I'm certainly not dreaming. And I'm not sleeping, so this is some other state where I'm just like, I'm just being. I'm, I'm just yeah. facing the raw sensory um, inputs of the world, and I'm not directly engaging with it. I'm just sort of, in some sense, totally decoupled from the external stimuli. It's, the stimuli is still coming, so I'm not blocking. I'm, my eyes can be even open. My ears are open. You know, My thoughts are even open but I've totally separated myself. So I have a sense of consciousness and sense of wakefulness, which is removed from the world to, I suppose, put it dramatically. So that that's, I, I think there's a lot there, and I'm certainly going to do a little bit more reading and research into, you know, that, that tradition and, and, you know, certainly interested in, in the, the, the states of consciousness. Mm-hmm. And I, and I you know I, i've never been interested and is still not interested in altering states of consciousness with you know drugs and that kind of thing i have it doesn't appeal to me it just that to me is like it, it's not revealing yes i know you know sam harris and many many other people are kind of big yeah. fans of that kind yeah. of thing but for me it's like that's not interesting that's not natural that's that's pushing you're messing with the chemicals of the brain into introducing something which is not natural and they would say oh it's totally natural it's shamanism it's not all that I get it. You know, I, I don't want to dispute what they're saying there, but I don't think it's necessary. I think you can use meditation to kind of reveal mm. the, the the real form of consciousness, which we've been societally uh, has been sort of hidden from us, um, and and that can be, I think, a pretty profound uh, thing in life. Which again is is exercises is mandatory, but it's it's not going to. I think reveal a new reality for you in that sense. And I think therefore, you know, in sort of closing, I think everybody should um, invest a few months of their life to this kind of practice. And again, we're only talking 10 minutes a day, but I think you, yeah. you should make a concerted effort to try to create a life lifelong habit. Um, and I'm not saying it has to be today, it has to be now. I, I think, you know, for me, it had to be a certain time in my life where I was maybe emotionally, mature enough um to to have have kind of space in my life my emotions to experiment with this kind of thing yeah so if it's not today but i think you know again uh, now i wish i probably would have done this as a kid so but i'm still not you know i'm not forcing it upon my kids like oh you have to do meditation boot camp every morning we've done a bit of meditation here and there with them but i you know, I, I certainly would like to fu- try to encourage them at some point during, you know, maybe their teenage years uh, would be, would have been a heck of an asset.
0: <laughs> it would have. be, absolutely. Yeah.
1: Back in the day, it would have got, gotten um, us past some of that, that terrible years of anguish <laughs> yeah. and anxiety uh, of, of that, that roller coaster. So, yeah. you know, um, but I'm now, you know, approaching my, my 40s and I think if people are approaching their seventies or eighties, there's, there's still time, you know, like the, the the investment of a few months of your life can mean, I think tremendous benefits and and also meaning, meaning and, um, sort of engagement with, with your life. You know, we're clearly running out of time here and there's more to say about, you know, the implications of meditation, but it's, it's, You know, it's not just a form of escapism of like, oh, my life sucks. I want to just get some, you know, like mind numbing mental pill that I take every morning that makes it a little bit easier. I think it's also long term a way to engage more with your life and and to, yeah, maybe helps you uh, do the difficult things in your life, which is, you know, facing up to fears and engaging you know, with relationships that might be challenging and mm. just to kind of, the, it's the resilience that builds up, you know, kind of, when you know that there's a kind of a, a floor, there's a, there's a, a, a net that catches you. So you know that the absolute bottom is no longer, you know, a deep abyss where there's no bottom in sight. You know that you can sort of catch yourself. It may be, then lets you also, you know, take a little bit more emotional mental risk in life, knowing that you have this capacity to be be more self-aware for when things are going bad and when too much is too much. And also, of course, to to just be able to then um mm. you know, st- stop yourself from spiraling kind of out of control. So I think we would have a lot of lot less pharmaceutical usage and abuse a lot less, you know, physical, mental anguish, pain, depression. Um yeah, just a lot of bad outcomes in life um that could be avoided if, if everybody um meditated.
0: One hundred percent agreed. And on that note, it's been it's been such a great discussion. Aki, thank you very much for your uh brilliant insights. It's actually been the longest podcast ever and it was like We could have gone on with this topic for another hour at least. It's been such a a great topic to discuss, so thank you for joining um, Aki today. Okay, thanks, guys. Talk soon. And this has been HealthZilla Weekly episode number 21, if I, if I haven't lost count. Uh, we, will be, we, will, we will be back again with HealthZilla episodes again in two weeks' time, as we are sort of following the summer schedule. We will be back in our weekly schedule uh, later on in August. Um, again, we coming up with some very uh, exciting guests lined up for um, talking about health, wellness, how to live a better life indeed. And if you haven't already done that, do go ahead and download the HealthZilla app from Google Play or Apple App Store right now today for free and try out the fingertip stress scan, try out the the meditation timer and start building your healthy habits today. Thank you very much, guys, for joining us. Have a great day ahead. Peace.